It's good to see you all again. Um, I am actually really excited to share. Um, and yet also a little nervous because once again, like last week, if you, re if you were here last week, the topic was maybe a stretch for me. Um, if you didn't hear that, I would encourage you maybe to go back and listen to it. Um, and then today's topic also is a bit of a stretch for me. And so, um, but I'm trying to be faithful. I'm trying to, I guess, um, just be willing to do what God's asking me to do. So here I am. Um, uh, so I, you know, what's funny is Diesel, I asked him in announcements to mention Grief Share and then Cindy mentioned Grief Share and I have up here that I just wanted to say something about it. Um, we tonight are finishing the 13-week program and then next week it's starting all over again. And I just want to tell you that for me personally, it's been quite a blessing. Like it's just been something that's been really cool to be part of. And, and I have gotten feedback from people who I never met before Grief Share who, don't, who are not sitting in the room right now and who some of you may not know. They might be some of your friends. And if they are your friends, I appreciate that you let them know about Grief Share because they said, Jeff, this has been so helpful for me. And so it's just been so cool to be able to be part of that. And so I would just encourage you to... Um, just don't forget about it. Keep on praying about it and consider, is it something personally that you should attend or that you might maybe consider coming to yourself? Because most of us have faced the loss of somebody at some point in our life, okay? And if not, um, at some point you will. And so I hope that we'll still be offering it for, I really do truly hope that we offer it for a really long time, okay? May not be constant like, like, you know, we might not always start right up the week after we finish, but um, hopefully it's something we can always offer, okay? And so um, I'm going to pray, and then, we're, then we will begin. Lord Jesus, thank you. Uh, thank you again for opportunity to be here. Thank you, Lord, for um, your Holy Spirit working in each of us. We thank you, God, that you see every person out there. You see every person who's listening online. You see every person who might... Um, listen to this message even in the future. Lord, we thank you for the way that you work in us, and we pray, God, that you would have your way, that you would speak through me, that you would help me not to be a distraction, but that your truth would be presented here today, and that um, we would um, hear from you, and that we would be changed by you, that we'd be challenged to grow in you and become more like you. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Um, I was going to say something about the clapping. Today, I just like wanted to dance, okay? So worship team, I want to thank you for that because sometimes I just get super excited and, I, and some people might be like, Jeff, why don't you dance? I don't, I don't know because I, I'd want to, but I, it's whatever. I, I can't wear cheater glasses in front of people. I told you last week, and so dancing in front of people also probably not something that I'll do. And then clapping, like I really just want to clap. And then I, like, am good there for a minute, and then I just lose. I just have, my rhythm just only lasts for just a little while, so I think I've told you that before, but um, I think playing the drums is super cool, and the whole rhythm section is just like, I don't know how you guys do that, so thank you for that. Um, all right, so I don't have a slideshow today, even though I know that those kinds of things are helpful, because visually we learn better sometimes when we see things, but... Um, the truth is, is preparing the slideshow and the notes sometimes for me is a challenge, and so 
I even got up early today and was going to put together some verses on the slides, and I just didn't. And so, I mean, I did, I did get up early, and I went through the notes and everything, but did not put together a slideshow. And so, um, when I share some verses, I'll just tell you where they are, and you can go through and read them with me, or you can, if you take notes, you can write down the notes and um, go back and look at them. So the title, if there was one thing I should have put up, there was just a title. It is, When God's People Keep Quiet. And so when God's people keep quiet is uh, what I want to talk about today and talk a little bit about um, how God's ways become diluted. And I was thinking about diluted and thinking about trying to keep people's attention. Um, And I have this habit sometimes if I have a glass of milk at dinner time and there's a little bit of milk left in the bottom of the glass and then later have some water, you know, the water is like all white. And some people just hate that. Raise your hand if you hate that. Like you're like, I could never drink that water. That's so gross, Jeff. Okay, so for some of you, that's completely detestable, okay? And for me, it's like, whatever, it doesn't really bother me at all. And sometimes I think I do it just because it bothers people. (laughs) But anyways... What we're seeing in that situation is really a bit of um, water, or yeah, I guess water being diluted with a little bit of milk, and some people find that completely detestable. And I am going to use the word diluted in a little while, so that's what I was thinking of, okay? But anyways, um, Deuteronomy 4, 1 through 9. Um, I'm going to read this, and... Deuteronomy 4, 1 through 9. So again, the topic, when God's people keep quiet. So God's speaking to um, the Israelites. They're not, they haven't crossed the Jordan River yet, and he's given directions through Moses. He says, hear now, O Israel, the decrees and laws I'm about to teach you. Follow them so that you may live and may go and, excuse me, and take possession of the land the Lord your God The Lord, the God of your fathers, has given you. Do not add to what I command you, and do not subtract from it, but keep the commands of the Lord your God that I give you. Interesting that he said, don't add to what I've told you, but he also says very clearly, don't take away from what I've told you, okay? Um, And then verse 3, you saw with your own eyes what the Lord did at Baal Peor. The Lord your God destroyed from among you everyone who followed the Baal of Peor. But all of you who held fast to the Lord your God are still alive today. See, I have taught you decrees and laws as the Lord my God commanded me so that you may follow them in the land you are entering to take possession of. Observe them carefully, for this, for this will show your wisdom and understanding to the nations who will hear about all these de- decrees and say, surely this is a great nation. This na- surely this, this great nation is a wise and understanding people. What other nation is so great as to have their gods near them the way the Lord our God is near us whenever we pray to him? And what other nation is so great as to have such righteous decrees and laws as this body of laws that I am setting before you today? Only be careful. Watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them slip from your hearts as long as you live. Teach them to your children and to their children after them. And so, um, when God's people keep quiet, so God gave very clear direction through Moses to the people, and if I could just go through some of that and pull out some action words, um, 
basically, I'm, the word observe pops out to me. The word remember pops out at me and then keep them and then teach them to your children. Okay? And so God's commanding them, telling them, don't forget the things that I've done. And then also recognize your kids didn't see the things that I did for you. And so you need to tell them. Okay? Parents, I could say to you, your kids haven't seen the things God's done for you, so you should tell them. Okay? And so, um, and then another very similar passage, I'll just read two verses from Deuteronomy 11. Some of you may have memorized this. Deuteronomy 11, verses 18 and 19. Um, Sorry. Fix these words of mine in your hearts, in your minds. Tie them as symbols on your hands. Bind them on your foreheads. Teach them to your children, talking about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Write them on the door frames of your houses and your gates. You know what? I'm going to keep going. So that your days and the days of your children may be many in the land the Lord swore to, your, to give your forefathers as many as the days that the heavens um, are above the earth. Okay, and so again, fix these words of mine on your hearts. Teach them to your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, and so it's action. God's asking these people, like, do this, teach your kids, don't forget these things, okay? And so, and then, so basically you could say, well, Jeff, you're pulling, a, and here's one thing I was thinking critics could say, Jeff, you take scriptures and pull them from all over the place in the Bible, and you, make, you may try to make your point by pulling random verses, and I actually would say, all right, I guess I could hear that. But what's happening is this thread goes through the whole Bible. God's telling his people, you need to do the things that I've asked you to do. And if you do them, things will go well for you. I have life and I have blessings for you if you do the things that I've said to do. It's not just these two passages, but it's like throughout the whole Bible. And then what we find out is that the people didn't do them. Okay, And so I wrote some things down. They were told to don't intermarry with the people around them, and they did. They were told, don't take their gods, and they did. They were told, destroy all of their altars and their high places and their like idols, and they didn't. They didn't destroy them. They, they married their cho- the neighbor's children. Okay, And so what happened is, as a result of not listening to what God said, not doing what he said, the word of God becomes diluted into these other cultures, okay? And so it's like it gets blended in with the other things that have gone on around the people of God, okay? And so the word I put here, the, um, the ways of the Lord became diluted by other cultures and other customs and false gods, okay? And so when God's people are quiet... God's ways become diluted by the people around us. Whoa, I said around us. That turned it to present tense all of a sudden. When God's people are quiet, God's ways become diluted by the people around us. When God's people are ignorant of his ways, his ways become confused, his ways become misunderstood, and they actually become wrong, okay? Because they're like blended with other things, okay? And so... What about today? 
When God's people keep quiet, we become misrepresented in the culture around us. <clears throat> so you ever, you ever hear something that you, you hear somebody say something about Christians and you feel like you're misrepresented? I have heard that. Okay, even yesterday I read something and I was like, what? I didn't do that. <laughs> okay. Um, and so anyways, when God's people keep quiet, we become misrepresented in the culture. When God's people don't know what they believe, God's ways become diluted in the culture. Now I want you to know, if you've been in this church for any length of time, we don't often talk about the issues of the day. Okay. We spend, I hope, quite a bit of time talking about the Word of God and knowing who God is. And today I have an issue that I have felt particularly, um, I guess, like I need to talk about. And so what I want to talk about is the topic of abortion, okay? So this is an issue of the day. This is not a new issue, okay? Um, but it has become accepted practice in our culture. Um, it has become what people call a health care choice or a health care decision or a right, okay? And so I want you to understand that <clears throat> the ways of God have become diluted. And so, and so when we talk about being misrepresented, people, would, people, hang on, actually I'm getting a little ahead of myself. I'm going to talk, say a couple of things about what the Bible says about this. And these verses that I'm about to share, I bet you have heard before relating to this topic. Psalm 139, um, I thought I put a bookmarker in there. So last week I read the slides to you and turned my back on you, and now today I'm going to flip through and try to have to find these scriptures. Psalm 139 is, is very specific about God, how intentional God is. Um, verses 13 through 18. <clears throat> For you created... Sorry, yeah. For, this is the psalmist, I think, David speaking to God. He's just thinking about God and considering his ways. And he says, you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. You can say those words to God about yourself, okay? You each can, every single person in here. Even if, even if when you were a kid, your parents told you you were a surprise or a mistake or whatever, okay? It doesn't, none of that matters because the Bible tells us God intentionally made you. Okay? And so, <clears throat> sorry about the coughing. Um, so anyway, what I want to say about that is that God is very intentional. And that's what I hope to kind of make very clear today. In Jeremiah chapter 1, God very specifically calls Jeremiah and he says, before I, this is verse 5 in Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Okay? God had a very specific and very clear call for Jeremiah, and he says, when you were, before you were born, before you were even, like, thought of, I knew who you were, and I had an intention for your life, and I think that it's true of you, 
okay? And so you could say, Jeff, I don't know. I just personally think that God is that intentional. If he believes that about Jeremiah, I think he also believes that about each of us, okay? And so, um, so the Bible presents to us a God who is thoughtful, purposeful, and intentional, okay? Um, in Deuteronomy 15, or sorry, Deuteronomy 30, I'm sorry if I'm bouncing all over, Deuteronomy 30, um, this is 15 through 20. Now, um, I'm going to say, I'll read this, and then I'm going to say a little bit about it. Um, that doesn't look right. No, it definitely does not. Um, hang on. Let's see. That, oh, I'm, no, I'm sorry. I'm looking at Second Chronicles. That's why. Uh, duh. Um, too many bookmarkers. <clears throat> There it is, Deuteronomy 30, 15. See, I sat before you today. Some of you were out there looking at Deuteronomy 15 going, what, that looks like it's right. Um, yeah, I was at the wrong page. Um, see, I sat before you today, life and prosperity, death and destruction. This is, um, God, this is God speaking. I sat before you today, life and prosperity, death and destruction. For I command you today to love the Lord your God and walk in all his ways and to keep his commands, decrees, and laws. Then, so if you do these things, then you will live and increase and the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you are entering to possess. But... If your heart turns away and you're not obedient and if you're drawn away to bow down to other gods and to worship them, I declare to you this day that you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live long in the land you are crossing the Jordan to possess. This day I call heaven and earth as witness against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God Listen to his voice and hold fast to him, for the Lord is your life, and he will give you many years in the land he swore to give your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so, um, <clears throat> and so what do I want to say about that? I want to say that part, there's part of that that says choose life, okay? And I think sometimes people might go around with signs that say choose life. I mentioned I'm talking about this topic of abortion. Choose life in this is God saying, follow me. And when you follow me, you will find life. It's not God talking specifically about abortion right here, okay? And so understand um, that the phrase choose life isn't a statement on abortion. It's God calling me. He's God calling us to follow him and to follow the way of life, okay? If you choose to serve other gods, it's not going to go well for you. And that's what he says very clearly right here. It, he says, even you will be destroyed, okay? And what did they do? I told you, they disobeyed. We talked even about this last week, and then the people are scattered, and Israel is this nation that's like just all over the place. God still sees them. He still is bringing them back to him, but he said, no, you guys didn't obey me. You wanted to follow foreign gods. You wanted to live in the way that these other people live. Then you're scattered all over the place, okay? And so... Um, so is this something we can apply to our lives today in 2022, this idea of living for God um, and expecting him to um, provide life for us? I think so, 
okay? I personally, personally, this is Jeff Gleason's testimony, I have found and I continue to discover life as I pursue Christ, okay? He leads me deeper into understanding of him um, and in his truth. And I think other people out there would say the same thing. Like, as I pursue God, I just feel like I, I continue, like, as I walk towards him, he, like, illuminates things, and I begin to learn things, and he just, like, it's remarkable. It's from my perspective, the kind of life that God provides when I just step towards him, okay? And so I personally would say that's been true in my life. When I do, when I am trying to do the things God's asking me to do, he gives life to me. He gives vision to me. He gives energy to me. He gives insight to me when I do the things that he's asking me to do, okay? And I think that there are other people out there who would say the same thing. Um, the culture and the world around us offer us shiny things, but those things will not last, okay? Um, Proverbs 4 actually says, um, seek after wisdom, though it costs all you have. The Bible really like, tends to write off like worldly riches very much, okay? Like, seek after wisdom, though it costs all you have. Think of the most valued thing that you own, whatever it is that's like the worth the most. And then what if you had to give that thing up in, seek, in seeking God and searching for wisdom, okay? And I would encourage you just to consider like, is that thing worth more than wisdom? No, no, it isn't. The Bible has told us that it's not, okay? And so um, next thing I want to talk about, regard, um, Leviticus 18, and I'm actually not going to read this, okay? Leviticus 18 seems like an extensive do not list. Uh, and ex so the, the, the world thinks everything in Christianity is all about do not, do not, do not, do not do anything, do not have any fun, okay? And it's really not true, okay? It's because we have been misrepresented. And sometimes we don't look like people who have any clue how to have fun, by the way, okay? But anyways... Um, Leviticus uh, 18, I wrote in my notes, an extensive do not list of all, or excuse me, of who not to have sexual relations with. Verses 6 through 20 all are about do not have sexual relations with this person, this person, this person. And it's like all these different relationships that people might have. And every single one of those from verse 6 to verse 20 is something that would lead to pregnancy. Okay. And then in verse 21, seems to be a bit of a change of gears, okay? Verse 21 says, um, Do not give any of your children to be sacrificed to Molech, for you must not profane the name of the Lord your God. I am the Lord. So you might go, what? It seems like a change of gears because all these things were like these sexual sins and do not do this. And it's actually not, because the God of Molech was the God that people gave their children to in fire. Like, we want to appease this God. I won't get into the details about how it worked, but basically they handed children like into an actual fire for them to be burned to please this God, this God of their neighbors, who they began to um, worship okay, or at least give sacrifice to, and they were giving their children, okay, consider babies, maybe toddlers, I don't actually know, okay, but anyway, he says don't do that because that's, basically that's detestable to God, he, he said 
in other places. There's more about that, actually, if you're taking notes. In Leviticus 21 through 5, he talks a little bit more about that. And then in um, 1 Kings, lots of you are taking notes. Wow, this is really exciting, okay? In 1 Kings 11, 4... Uh, sorry, that one I'm going to... This is why I was in 1 Kings before. Um, 1 Kings 11... Listen to how this happened. 1 Kings 11, verse 4. Solomon was a very wise king. As Solomon grew old, actually, I'm sorry, I'm going to go look, look at verse, chapter 11, verse 1. King Solomon, however, loved many foreign women, besides Pharaoh's daughter, Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonians, and Hittites. Okay, so Solomon, Solomon had all kinds of wives, okay? And verse 4 says, As Solomon grew old, his wives turned his heart after other gods, and his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God as, as the heart of David his father had been. So Solomon's, um, Solomon was influenced by people from other cultures, just like what we were saying about being his, con- his concept of God became diluted, okay, because he took in other wives. Was he supposed to take other wives from other cultures? No, he wasn't supposed to, but because he did, his perspective became wrong, okay? And then um, verses 7 through 13, Uh, excuse me, on a hill east of Jerusalem, Solomon built a high place for Chemosh, the detestable god of Moab, and listen to this one, and for Molech, the detestable god of the Ammonites, He did the same for all his foreign wives who burned incense and offered sacrifices to their God. The Lord became angry with Solomon because his heart had turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel, who had appeared to him twice. Although he had forbidden Solomon to follow other gods, Solomon did not keep the Lord's command. And if you read on, it says, I'm going to take this kingdom and I'm going to break it apart because of what you've done. I'm not going to do it in your lifetime in honor of your father David but I'm going to take this kingdom and rip it apart because you haven't done what, you, what I asked you to do. And so, one, one thing that I read about Solomon making altars to Molech, remember, Molech's this god that they gave their children to and burned them, okay? I, want, or I hope that that part's very clear. This is something that's completely awful, taking children and just giving them, putting them in a fire, it's not cool at all. It's completely horrible, okay? And so Solomon did this. This was a guy who, whose father was King David who was known for having a heart after God. Solomon was known for being wise, and what happened is his attention got distracted from God. And so he, um, under his authority, God's, or sorry, and altars were made to Molech, Okay? The, a commentary that I read said, well, Solomon maybe wasn't the guy who built it, but he, it happened under his nose. It happened on his watch, okay? His treasury paid for this, okay? And so, so this was him partaking, being part of it, okay? And so anyways, but Jeff, you might say, abortion is different from that because we aren't putting babies into a flame, Okay? But I would actually suggest to you that it seems to me very similar, okay? And so, I will say what I said already. The Bible presents a God who is intentional. I think he has intentions for all life that he creates. He's thoughtful, 
Okay? He has purposes that we don't always see. Okay? So God is thoughtful. He's intentional. He's purposeful. He says children are a blessing. He says follow me and I will lead you into life. Okay? And so um, I think it's important to point out that my intention there is to for you to recognize, I hope you see it, but if God is purposeful and you or somebody you, who you know is faced with an unwanted pregnancy, God is still purposeful, okay? And so recognize that that, thing, that unwanted pregnancy might seem like an inconvenience. It might seem like something that is like going to ruin a person's life, but God's intentional and he let that happen. Okay, and it might not have been in the best circumstances. It might actually be in very difficult circumstances, but God allowed this to happen, and he's intentional. Okay, and so consider, is his plan, what is his plan in this situation? Could it be that something good could come out of this? I think so. I think absolutely that's the truth. Okay, and so I was reading an article where a person was working for an organization who basically a maternity clinic in Bangladesh, okay? A maternity clinic in Bangladesh. Now, in Bangladesh, abortion, abortions in that term are illegal, okay? But they call it their menstrual regulation. And so sometimes people come into a maternity clinic so that they can have their menstruation regulated, okay? Which basically means that they, they're... they're I, I didn't write anything about this down, okay? Um, I think you guys get the picture, okay? So they've come in there, and they are there for menstrual regulation, okay? And so because you can't say abortion, abortion's legal, but you can say that, okay? And so this guy was, he, and, this, and so some, some people right now also, I feel like there's often quite a bit of like, resistance against this topic and some people would say Jeff who is this guy he's like some guy who goes into those clinics with the cameras or whatever no he was working for this company and he spent some time he talked to some people in the waiting room and things basically would ask people what they were doing and sometimes could tell who was there for what reason some people were there for maternity purposes and some people were there for this um, menstrual regulation for, to have abortions okay and he would ask them questions and the reasons that people gave for, for this. It's not the right time for us, okay? Our family is finished. Things are difficult at home. Um, another one, money is a problem. And then the last one, my last pregnancy was very difficult, okay? And so these are reasons people have for abortions in Bangladesh, okay? I think they're very similar to reasons that people have here. Okay, and I want you to understand that um, the reason why I'm saying that is people who find themselves in these situations, I think, usually are unaware of a sovereign and all, all, all excuse me, people who find themselves in those situations. My, my family is done. My pregnancies have been difficult. We don't have the money for this. This is, this is going to be too hard. I can't do it. People who find themselves in those positions I think don't realize that there's a God who's provider, that there's a God who is sovereign overall, that there's a God who sees their situation and can provide for it, okay? That, that he's intentional. I also think that these people in these situations, 
and you, maybe you guys know some of these, some folks who have been in these situations, maybe some people listening ha are in this situation right now, and I hope you don't feel at any point in any of this condemned, okay? I think that, these, that people in these situations feel judged by the church because, because people know, no, I'm sorry, I think people feel judged by the church who tells them that abortion is wrong, okay? There's a line in the Casting Crown song that says, nobody knows um, what we're for, only what we're against when we judge the wounded. Let me say that again. Nobody knows what we're for, only what we're against when we judge the wounded. So when I mention the word abortion inside a church in the United States in 2022, people know the church is opposed to abortion, right? Is anyone surprised by me saying that? I hope not. Okay, people know that. But it doesn't, what, what I'm trying to present to you today is a God who is thoughtful and who's intentional and who can, who can change situations when we don't see how it could possibly happen. Okay? And so the line from that song, once again, nobody knows what we're for, only what we're against when we judge the wounded. And then it goes on and says, what if we put down our signs and crossed over the lines and loved like you did. Um, do people seeking an abortion or people who have had an abortion know that the Bible presents a God who is for them? I don't, I, I don't know, okay? He says, or excuse me, he sees them and he sees their situation. He ju doesn't judge that, okay? And so he recognizes the, the challenges that come along for that. He has compassion for those situations. He wants to provide for that, okay? He wants to help, help people in those situations if they just knew about his compassion, okay? Now, when Jesus was on the earth, he would go around and he would find the needs, okay? And he wants to help us. He wants to help us meet the needs of those people around us. I think he has been intentional in your life. I think he made you how he made you. He made he placed you where he made you. He placed you in this spot today. Okay. He placed you in the family that you're in. He placed you with the neighbors that you have. He placed you with the coworkers that you have. He needs you to, to represent him in those lives and the people around you. He needs you to present truth with grace, okay? So you, maybe you work with somebody who has had an abortion. Does that mean that you, they, they know that the church thinks abortion is wrong, so what does that mean? They try to stay away from you because they think that you're against them. You're not against them. You should be a person who has compassion for them and who reaches out to them, who cares about them because they... Um, are not somebody who you should stay away from. They're somebody who you should be going towards because they need love and they need grace. They need to understand that there's a God out there who accepts them. Okay? Um, now, <clears throat> I want to say also, hear this. This part, it's, it's super important. This, this is, again, a difficult topic, but hear this. If you have had an abortion, I want you to know that God sees you and that he receives you. Okay? He does not condemn you. If you're considering an abortion right now, I would encourage you, please seek other alternatives. I would encourage you to actually specifically, if you are someone who's abortion-minded or you know someone who is, specifically 
consider um, CareNet Crisis Pregnancy Center in Watertown. We have local resources to help with this. I am not probably the best person to counsel for this. The people at CareNet are the best people to counsel for this, okay? Um, please consider, if you're in that situation, that there's a creative, loving God who sees you, okay? And that he can make this work out for you, okay? Um, and the, some people might write me off and be like, oh, this, is, this message is for women. It's not, okay? This is for everybody, because here's the thing. If the church is ignorant or if the church is quiet, then the culture takes over, okay? And so the church needs to know what they think about this. Does that make sense? I hope that that part's clear. The, ch the church sometimes goes, oh, and this is me. Let me tell you about me. Jeff Gleason, this quiet kid, yeah, quiet, quiet, kind of shy kid from Belleville Henderson, class of 1993. I sat there in government class and we talked, we had debates, okay? And so the topic about abortion comes up and this kid sitting here goes, I have absolutely no idea what to think about that topic. It seems to me like it's something that's very normal because I didn't know what to think about it, okay? The church needs to know what to think about it. Okay, because God is against it, but he is for compassion, he's for grace, and he cares about everyone's situation before, after, in between, all of it, okay? Um, and so, wow, how do I wrap this all up? <laughs> um, I just really want to give some plugs. CareNet, I talk about it often during announcements. It's such an important ministry in our community, okay? I want to challenge the church. Don't just give your money. I want to, because actually Cindy said it really well. Sometimes in the church, and actually I will also appreciate it, Cindy, thanking so many people for volunteering. There's so many people who volunteer in church and make the service be able to go off because we have so much help. We have so many people who are willing. Well, CareNet also needs people, okay? CareNet needs your prayers. CareNet needs, right now, an executive director. Do you know anybody who is gifted to be an executive director? Do you know somebody who has those? I, and by the way, I don't have a job description, but do you know somebody who, might, who that might be something God's calling them to? Is God calling you to that? Well, but that's a not-for-profit, so that means you don't make very much money. So what? But there's a need there, okay? And so um, I would encourage you to consider, if that was you who were just thinking, but there's not much money in that, consider what's, which God are you serving, okay? And I would like to call you out on that, so be careful about that kind of thinking, okay? Um, and then... I just want to encourage folks, if you're not in any of these situations, so you're not somebody who is, who is dealing with a personal topic right now relating to abortion in your life or anyone who you know, if you're not in those situations, what's your role? What do you do about this? And I really want to challenge you to be thinking about this question. What is your role? How can you help to promote life? Um, and then 
I want to encourage you to be praying about this. The Supreme Court is going to be looking at a, at a case soon where it's possible that the Roe v. Wade from f- almost 50 years ago could be overturned. Is it possible that that's something that God is trying to do in our day? I don't know. We could be praying, God, would you have your way? Would you work through the Supreme Court in the United States? Could you make it so that babies could stay alive, could have a chance to live, okay? It's been 65 million children in 49 years that have been legally aborted in this country. 65 million. It's outrageous, okay? And then the numbers actually become more difficult to count these days because now you can order pills online to have an abortion in your house, chemical abortion. And that's also outrageous because it does look like a health care choice, but a baby is not a health care issue. A baby needs to be protected and taken care of. Okay? And so, the church, to the church, again, what happens when the church keeps quiet? People become confused. People go, oh, those people in church, they're angry. They're against everything that we do. We're not against those. We're, we, we, yes, we don't want you to abort your baby. We want to love you. We want to love your baby. We want to help you. We should be people who are looking for how can we help people who find themselves in these situations. We need to be people who recognize, recognize the temptation that people face. Wow, the finan- financial challenges that come along with somebody with an unwanted pregnancy. Consider a teenager or an adult or whatever. Okay, recognize those things and then consider, God, how can I be helping in this? What can I do? Okay, Um, and so to the church, that's you, okay? The church needs to be clear what they think. If you're a believer in Jesus, you are the church. Okay, and so you need to know what you think about this, and you need. I, I really want to encourage people to to ask God for firm convictions about this topic, and again, that you would present truth with grace. Okay, um, so um, let's see. My very last note. My notes are an absolute mess today, but I just couldn't do it any other way. Okay. We know what's wrong, and we understand the temptation, but we need to demonstrate the loving, compassionate, and gracious Savior of the world, okay? He's intentional, he's purposeful, he's thoughtful, he offers life, he provides for needs, okay? And so, um, the worship team, how do we close this? Lord, how do we close this today? The worship team has, there's a song that's going to play, um, and Donna, I think, is going to come up and say something, and then the worship team is going to come and close us with a song. I want to challenge, I guess my challenge to the church is that, that you would say, God, give me conviction about this, because if I've been quiet about this, is it possible that Jeff has been a Solomon, that I've let these things get built up on my watch, okay? And so just, be, just consider, how have, I, how have I been part of this? And God, forgive me if I, have, if I have been complacent about this issue, because Jeff has been complacent about this issue. And this issue is important, okay? And so Donna, I'm sorry, I will close with, the song, with uh, this song, and then the worship team is going to come up after that. <clears throat>